0: It is today, week 10 of our Colossians series. Just four chapters in the book of Colossians, right near the end of your Bible. And our series is being called Greater Than. We believe that Christ is greater than all things. And we're getting ready for Christmas. The toy show has happened on Friday night, so that means officially Christmas FM comes on the car. That's what Christmas is to me. Christmas came on the ca- Christmas FM came on the car yesterday. Turned it on. That's it. We're in, locked and loaded. We began last night. We were driving to Wild Lights, the Dublin Zoo, and I said, "Right, guys, it's all I want for Christmas." Then it's a uh, last Christmas. Then it's uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's my top three. My top three songs, the Christmas tree is coming out later. Hopefully our lights will work um, and not need to untangle them all. But we're also really looking forward to our carol services. Always oh, such an exciting time of year, 17th of December. Also, we are we're we praying and hoping that this time next year, we'll be celebrating it in our brand new building, um, our new building that the change of use application has gone in, it's all official, it's beginning. So we just love for you to pray for us and not pray against any objections or anything whatsoever that it will go smooth and swiftly in Jesus' name and we'll be able to start the work in early February. That's what we were planning for and it's going to be a quick work in Jesus' name as well. There you go. Jumping in, Colossians chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me there. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 and then we're going to look at 12 to 17. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is an encouragement from Paul to the Church of Colossae, to each and every one of us, especially at this time as we look at earthly things. We look at the world around us. We look at the world externally. We look at the chaos. We look at the conflicts. We look at what's going on. And so all of us, with that feeling in our heart, Paul says, you need to look to heaven. You need to look at Christ. You need to set your minds. This Christmas, as we look and we're consumed with the busyness and family and the tensions and everything that goes on with that, that at the same time, don't be focused on earthly things, but on heaven above. Verse 12 to 17, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want to speak to you for a few moments today on the title, In Light of Eternity. In Light of Eternity. This past April... I had the honor of getting to travel with my eldest son, Levi, and uh, Blake, who's leading us in worship here. on. we got to go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma in America, where the hospitality is like none other. And we got to go there as we were uh, exploring and, and, and engaging with... Uh, dozens of churches and we were looking at the different buildings and the ways that there were so that we can learn and also um we we're at the Assemblies of God conference where we got to connect with so many pastors and build relationships but most importantly we got to go to Bethesda Church in Oklahoma City and Bethesda Church is really important because back in in, in our church in Newbridge County there when it first began they were actually the very first church to support us financially and come and they actually helped uh, with our building that we had and, and were able to renovate it. But not only that, but I, I got to go there as a young boy when I was 12 years old and be at this church with these pastors, Pastor Craig and Vicki Dakis. And when we planted this church here, they were also the very first church to support us financially. And and, and, uh, I got to go there last April with my son Levi. uh, Pastor Craig bought him an Oklahoma University jersey. And if you know Levi best, you know a gift goes straight to his heart. So that's it. Oklahoma's my favorite. My favorite place in the world, it's just like straight away that's it, that's who he supports. And um, and we got to go there, and it was just an honor for me getting to go there, me as a, as a young boy, and then bring my own boy there. And it was so kind of cool, full circle, and a legacy thing. But but what was amazing is, is last April going and spending time and staying with Pastor Craig and Vicky Dacus, who been really like family to us and being there through the good times and the bad, he actually married. Myself and Jillian here back in August 2007. And um, when we were, we got to sit down together at nighttime as you do and, you know, just chat. And this was at a time where I just experienced 12 of the most difficult months of my entire life. And I got to sit down and share with them, you know, just spill your heart just a little bit. Just say, this is the, the difficulties that I have. This is the conflict that's going on in my heart. This is some of the grievances that I'm holding on to tightly. This is some of the the unforgiveness that I'm battling to come to resolution with. And he's a very wise man, a calm man, and he just he looked at me and after a long moment of pause he said, Sean, you have to ask yourself in light of eternity, what really matters? In light of eternity, what really matters? And he wasn't patronizingly saying, Sean, you need to do what God would do. Sean, you just need to forgive and forget and move on. Sean, you know what you got But he was saying, in light of eternity, what really matters? And this changed. For, for me, it was... A moment where the light bulb went off and it began this path for me of forgiveness, of freedom, as it set me free because I began to review everything and everything that I was holding on to and actually say, you know what? In light of eternity, if I'm at to ask myself, does this really matter? The answer was no. It doesn't. It changed how I worried. It changed how I chose to harbor unforgiveness. It, It changed... There's certain grievances that, you know, I just got so used to holding on to because it it gave me comfort almost that I went, actually, I need to release and let that go. It changed how I view things, it changed my perspective because, in light of eternity, as I ask the question, what really matters, doesn't matter. As you look at your own life right now, as you review the landscape of your life, your heart, And your mind, as you zoom out from your life, what are you giving your attention to, your focus to, your energy to, where in light of eternity, does it really matter? Maybe as young parents that are here today, and maybe um, your kids are, are vying for your attention. They're they're vying for what they want, but you're at the same time battling with your own individual wants and needs, and you want your own time, and there's this conflict, there's this tension that's going on within you, and as you step back, and you ask the question, in light of eternity, does it really matter what I want? What really matters here? Maybe you found yourself, particularly this last week and these last few days, but maybe for the last few months, maybe it's become a pattern for you, where you scroll social media, and you become consumed with the lives of others, the, the, the different experiences happening across the world, maybe consumed with political unrest, um, global catastrophe going on that you have no control over whatsoever when you're actually losing sight of what God has given you within your control. What really matters? Maybe you've been caught up in work. Your time, your energy, your focus is like in the pursuit of a promotion or this thing that you want to be able to get that, that somehow is being able to confirm your identity or get more money so that you can buy more things that you don't really need. Instead, you could put your time and effort into things that would benefit your life and the lives of others. What really matters? Maybe you've been holding on to an offense. Someone who hurt you. Maybe a grievance that's been in your heart. You've been holding it on so tightly. And as you ask yourself, in light of eternity, what really matters? Paul here, he's, he's getting us to, to focus on and give our attention in verse 1. It says, set, therefore, you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This means... Putting heaven's priorities into daily practice. To set your minds, verse 2, on things above, not on earthly things. To set your minds is to direct your minds, your thinking, your inner disposition towards heaven. What really matters in light of eternity? It's to focus your mind, your heart on things that are eternal rather than temporal. It's to actually ask yourself the question like, what I'm putting my energy, my focus, my life, my passion, does this really matter in light of eternity? And then from verse. 3 to 11, we looked at the last few weeks. The writer Paul, he talked about our external and our internal sinful nature. And he says that using the words, put off the old self, like, like throwing away rotten garments. That's not you anymore. Throw that off, put that away and put on the new self. And here, verse 12 to 17, he's talking about how to live as the new self. It, we need to understand it's not a lifestyle. It's a new way of life. You become a new person. You become a new creation. You put on something new. That we, what happens? What happens is we almost forfeit our Irish culture. Whatever culture you came into this room with, whatever identity that you had according to a country. You put that culture aside and say, I'm a part of a kingdom culture. I'm a I'm a new creation. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. And Paul gives us the way to live in verses 12 to 17, how to live out this new you, how to live in this new way. Here's the first thing. In light of eternity, clothe yourselves as the chosen ones. As the chosen ones. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul addresses the Colossians and also us as Christians that as, as God's chosen people who are holy and dearly loved. This is really important because it's about who we are. It's about our identity as Christians and what we do will flow out of who we are. It's really important as it it, it confirms in us that our identity in Christ is chosen holy and dearly loved. That we've been chosen. That we've been chosen by God to be holy. Holy is, is to do with our character. To be holy has to do with our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, and our speech. But here's what's really important. Um, Because of my faith in Jesus Christ and my righteousness that I received through him, and I'm clothed in righteousness, now I am made holy, not through my actions, but through Christ myself. Therefore, to be holy means that you've been set apart. You've been set apart by God. In fact, the church, the Ecclesia, as it's called in the original Koine Greek, is called the called out ones or the chosen ones. The set apart ones. That we know that our identity is holy. Therefore, what am I called to do? Walk in the holiness. Not because of what I do, I become holy, but because of what Christ has done for me. Therefore, I am holy. It's my identity. I am set apart. And he also says that we are loved. That we are loved. That no matter what we do or how we act, it will not define and determine God's love for us. Loved is our identity in Christ. Just as I love my four boys and I love them unconditionally for the rest of my life, no matter what they do. God's love for us supersedes any human love. In fact, no human could ever comprehend or understand what love God has for us. This is the love that he has for us. This is important as we are as God's chosen, holy, dearly loved children. He says, therefore, clothe yourselves with compassion. Compassion has been interpreted as tender-hearted pity. Tender-hearted pity. Famously, Jesus, in the book of Mark, when he saw the people of Galilee, And he says that he became overcome with compassion for them. He said that they are like sheep without a shepherd. But this is what's really important. Compassion is not just pity. Compassion is tender hearted pity that moves us towards action. Jesus in this moment, he performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Why? Because he met their physical need and their spiritual need. You see, I can feel sorry for you. I can feel pity for you. But until I'm moved by your pain to actually do something about it, I haven't really expressed compassion. Compassion is to be moved by action. To compassion is to go beyond saying, I'll pray for you, to actually standing in the gap and intercessing and being there alongside and going, I'm praying with you. That's what compassion is. It says, clothe yourselves with kindness. Kindness is tenderhearted goodness. Kindness is our disposition towards others. It's a heart of goodness that, that exudes for us, that, that flows for us, that we want to see others benefit, that we want to see the good, good things happen to others. It's this kindness, this kind heart to see kind things. You know, my, my wife Jillian... She's such a kind-hearted person. And um, I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm not as much as her, okay? I'm not as good as her. But, but when we're in the Lewis or in the bus or anywhere, I'm the kind of person who, like, I'll keep myself to myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, even I know a pastor, all that thing, supposed to love people at the same time. I, like, I'll keep my head down, my ear pods in. I'm that kind of person. Anyone like that? Jillian will literally, like, so who are you? Where did you come from? She'll have a conversation. I'm like, do you know that person? No, but I do now. You know, she just that this kindness. It's, it's to have this disposition, especially in this day and age, that others are like, you're kind-hearted. You're... You're actually, as Christians, sometimes we need to let our face know that our heart is saved. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to actually smile a little bit. We need to have kindness about us. And Matthew Henry, he said this. He said, we must not only do no hurt to any, but do what good we can to all. It's not about getting to the end of our days and say, well, God, I didn't do anything bad. And God would be like, well, what did you do that was good? How did you help others? Thirdly, Clothe yourselves with humility. This is a Christ-like attitude of putting the interests of others ahead of your own. In this day and age where the self-interest that just poisons relationships, this is this is to have a lowly opinion of yourself above others. It, it, it's a word. Humble comes from the root word hummus. Hummus means of the earth. So uh Humble person is of the earth, not the earth spiritually, the earth physically. That means that they are grounded. Humble people know who they are. It gives them, it gives them this like confidence in their identity. Humble people, not only that as Christians, we, we know God's power and presence gives us confidence and certainty because we know that it's not about the power we hold, it's about the power that holds us. I'm humble. Why? Because I know who I am, and I know whose I am. I'm grounded. I'm hum- I'm of the earth. Fourthly, clothe yourselves with gentleness. The message describes it as quiet strength. It is the willingness to suffer injury or insult rather than to inflict hurt on others. Originally translated gentleness is meekness. Now, if we were to be honest, we don't necessarily pray for meekness. It's not something, a characteristic that we generally, you know... Uh, respect or, or admire in other people. You know, we're not praying for our children to grow up meek. We're praying for our children to grow confident, strong, warriors. But yet Jesus said that it is the meek who are blessed. In fact, he said it is the meek who will inherit the earth. It's gentleness, it's meekness. G- Jesus came on this earth and he walked. Yes, as a lion, the lion of Judah. But he came and gave his life as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. We're called to gentleness. We're called to kindness. Here's the final thing is clothe yourselves with patience, otherwise known as long-suffering. It is the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. It's the opposite of what we saw happen this week in our city. What's that? Quick anger, rage, reaction. It's the the world we live in. You offended me, you hurt me. I'm going to get back at you 10 times worse. It's this this reaction. But long-suffering, instead, patience is to endure injustice and troublesome circumstances with hope for coming relief. It's like, I'm willing to suffer long because this is worth suffering for. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient with one another. I'm going to accept you for who you are. I know that you may not always be there, and I'm not there yet, but you know what? Let's go on this journey together. Therefore, Paul says, clothe yourselves as the chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here next, the light of eternity, forgive as you have been forgiven. Verse 13, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The New Living Translation says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you who offends you. Here we see Paul, he uses two different expressions. First one is bear with each other. To bear with each other is about our present offenses. That's like constantly in community and relationship, you're going to get offended. You know, when I first got married to my wife, I became very offended. You know why? She doesn't pack the dishwasher the way I pack the dishwasher. I was like, it was the first argument that we had in the house. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? This little tiny little uh, kitchen. And we had got a dishwasher. And uh, I was like, she doesn't pack it the right way. Guess what? 16 years later, she still doesn't pack it the right way. (laughs) I'm offended by it. I need to learn to do what? To bear with each other. To get on with another to go, you know what, this relationship, this marriage, you know why it works? Because you don't do things the way I do, and I don't do two things the way you do. But we bear with each other. We get on with one another. Here's the second thing. Forgive yourself as you've been forgiven. To forgive others is to talk about our past offenses. What's happened in the past. How we've been offended. How we've been hurt. It continues on. If any of you has a grievance against someone. A grievance is a cause of blame or complaint. What does this mean for us? This is really difficult. This means, as Christians, that we should not have a grievance or a grudge against anyone else. Ireland is the land of grudges. We got dates for grudges. We got memories for grudges. We got songs for grudges. We got statues for grudges. We, when we play England, man, we're all like, kill the English! <laughs> Why? Because we love grudges! Was that just me? Uh. Alan's half English, so that's why I can say that. He's still family. We love grudges. All of you, all, all, each and every one of us, we love grudges. We love holding on to it. And yet, as kingdom-cultured Christians, we're called not to have grudges. Not to hold on to grievances, to let it go. So many of us, what what's happened is the grudges and the offenses and the hurts of the past, you know what they've done? They've actually made up our personality that we have today and have left us to be excused from certain things that we do because of how we've been grieved and offended. But you know what God says, what he wants to do? He wants to bring us into a new creation. To do what? To take off the old. In fact, this is what he says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The grievance you have, the hurt you have, the offense that you've held on to, guess what? It is minuscule in comparison to how much God has forgiven you. So therefore, forgive as you have been forgiven. You see, Jesus Christ is the ultimate model of forgiveness. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ and He forgave us all our sins. I want to encourage you, let God worry about the wrongdoings that you've been suffered. And instead, choose to forgive. The message translates chapter 3, verse 13. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. In my 21 years or 30, 31 years being in the church, I have been hurt, offended, seen so much broken down relationships. And here's what I've learned. You know what the answer to getting on in life in church is? Forgive immediately. Immediately. The longer you put it on the long finger, the harder it's going to be in the long run. Forgive immediately, quickly. And here's what. Then it takes time to work out that forgiveness. It it can take years, a lifetime to build back that trust, to come back to that restoration of the relationship. But forgiveness, it happens in the moment. Forgiveness happens instantly. Here's the third thing. Put on love and perfect unity. Verse 14, after all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love at this time of writing, and Paul was writing this, uh, philosophers, teachers, ancient thinkers, they all regarded love as like an important virtue, but the Christian movement was the only movement had yet to come that regarded love as the most important virtue. And it's all based on what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, as He said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. Love, this love, is what binds the church together. It's what binds us in our relationships together, that the, the fruits of the spirit that are mentioned in verse 12 and 13, are fruits of the spirit, but love is the fruit of the spirit. What does it bring? It brings unity. It brings harmony. Harmony is a combination of musical notes that are that are played at the same time where they synchronize together and they make a pleasing sound. You see when love is at the center of a church and of a community that we can offend one another and I will offend you, I'll hurt you, I'll let you down. I'll I'll You're going to have to blame me at some stage. It's just a part of church life. Why? Because it's made up of people and people hurt people. That's what happens. But if love is the center, here's what happens. It produces harmony where we harmonize as one because love is the adhesive of the church. Love is what keeps the church. And what is this love for God is love. God's at the center of our relationship. If God is at the center of our church, if Christ is at the very center of our church, as he is, as their marriages, a cord of three strands will not be easily broken. Love is what brings perfect unity. Love is what brings harmony together. Love, not because we're perfect, but love brings perfect unity. A number of years ago, a great, great friend of mine in the church messed up massively, like... And not only messed up individually, but like hurt many, many people, broke many people's trust. And, and there was a lot of anger, as you can imagine, a lot of mistrust. And, and people were feeling that rage and they actually went to him and as they were disappointed. And they said certain statements, they said, how could you do this? Do you not realize what you've done? How could you let us down? And I too had these feelings of, of, of rage, of, of anger. I wanted to like kill him. You know what I mean? I wanted to like take it out on him. I was so angry. But when I finally got to go and to see him and stand before him, I could only say now it was the Holy Spirit. But in that moment, I just became overcome with compassion and with forgiveness. Why? Because I was reminded of how much I love him i had this love for him and instantly immediately i forgave him like immediately in my heart and what i believe now is the holy spirit and at at the time and even we spoke about this recently and i had a faint memory of it but i began to speak over his life and i said you know what you are a great man your mistakes do not define you your identity is in christ not in your past I said, God has a great plan for your life. He's a great future for your life. I believe that you've got greatness ahead of you. He will redeem you. He will restore you. He can make this, turn this around for his good. So get up, have hope, have faith, have belief. And guess what? He, He loves you. He forgives you. And I love you and I forgive you. Now in that moment, I left and I forgot about it. But he said to me, he said, that was the moment. You see, when everybody else was saying what I'd done is wrong, I knew what I did was wrong. But when you said that, it gave me hope. It gave me a belief. It restored my identity that, yes, I am called. I am chosen. I am holy. I am dearly loved. He will redeem me. He will restore me. And he lived, He said, I'm going to live this for the rest of my life because of what you called out of me, what God put into me. And I would challenge you today, how will you choose to respond to others when they hurt you, when they let you down, when they wrong you, when, when they deserve your rage. They deserve your anger. And I know, hey, it is the hardest thing in life to do, but here's what I've learned. Forgiveness not only sets them free, it sets you free. Unforgiveness has been described as drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer. Forgiveness, it brings peace to your heart. It just goes, oh, It's not about letting them go. It's about letting you go. It's about letting you go. And you got to work out that forgiveness. I know that. It takes time. But choose to forgive in that moment. Here's the fourth thing. Praise God for the peace in your hearts. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Give praise to God always for the peace in your heart. This is what the church has been called to do. Harmony, unity, but thankfulness. Giving God praise for what? For the peace that he's given us. In fact, Jesus said that the gift that I'm leaving with you is peace. In John 14, 27, I'm leaving you you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This, this peace that he's talking about, Philippians 4, 7 says, is the peace of God that transcends all understanding and what guards, what guards your hearts and your minds. Verse 15 of Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You see, our hearts here in this description is interpreted is like our hearts is arenas of conflict. We've got all so many feelings clashing within us even right now as i'm speaking you got feelings of mistrust distrust you got feelings of abuse of of your fear of jealousy of discontentment we got all these feelings going on and how can we bring you know contentment to the conflict is allowing the holy spirit to rule and reign within us and christ's peace to rule in our hearts this interpretation of the word rule is actually better translated as the word referee that he'd be like a referee in our hearts. Just when we're being drawn off, just when we've been getting discontent, just when we're allowing the conflict to get in us and it's causing bitterness to get inside of us. Christ's peace is like a referee that draws us back and says, no, and give praise to God for the peace in your heart. Give praise to God for the peace in your heart. Here's the fifth thing. Sing songs from the Spirit with gratitude. Sing a song from your Spirit with gratitude. Verse 16, let the message of Christ, which is the gospel, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. To to dwell here means to live in or to take up residence or to be at home. At the message of Christ, the words of Christ, the gospel of Christ, Paul is saying, let the word have its home in your hearts and minds. The Living Bible says it like this, Remember what Christ taught and let his words enrich your lives and make you wise. He amplifies says, teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom. Wisdom comes from abiding in Christ and allowing his words to abide in you. It's for us to dwell in Him and Him to dwell in us. It's us to draw close to Him and He draws close to us, and that's how we gain wisdom. That's how we gain understanding and knowledge. It's not necessarily through scholarly education and books and those things can be important, but in order to have spiritual wisdom, it comes from being in the Word and the Word being in us. And here Paul is saying is build one another up in the Word. As we come with our grievances, with our grudges, with our things, and we come with our problems, and we come to another Christian, another believer, and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. In that moment, as the Word is in us and we are in the Word, we can give wisdom to the relationships that we have. We can build one another up. We can edify, admonish one another. And also, it says this, it says to sing songs from the Spirit with what? With gratitude. Gratitude is the key to unlocking our heart gratitude opens up our heart not only to receive the peace that God wants to give us but to engage in the fruits of the Spirit that we need to be clothed in. Gratitude is the very thing that unlocks forgiveness. Why? Because I realize I'm so grateful that God forgave me. I am a sinner. If Paul says I am of the utmost, the worst of all sinners. I don't deserve it, yet Christ chose me call me. It causes me to love. Why? Because I realize I'm so loved. Maybe you've been battling with anything that I've just been speaking about in these last few moments and you've been, maybe you've found yourself falling into comparison fatigue and discontentment and you're thinking about all the things that you need and need to have and things you haven't yet got and all the things that gap in your heart and everything. But I want encourage you, if you're in this place, sing a song from your spirit with gratitude. One of the things that I've really helped when I get into this competitive mode, comparison mode, where like, I just like get discontent. God hasn't blessed me enough. I open up a page and I begin to write down what I'm grateful for. And in light of eternity, everything else I realize doesn't matter. This is what really matters. Everything God has blessed me in my life with my marriage, and my children, and my home, and my family, and the workplace, and my friends, and my team, and my church. And I begin writing out the experiences that I'm having. I realize, wow, I'm so grateful. God has blessed me. I'm so grateful. Gratitude rises. I want to encourage you to practice gratitude. Practice this. This week, if this is what you've been battling, maybe you've been in a cycle of depression and a cycle of just being down, being hard on yourself, being hard on others because they're not meeting your expectations and your needs. And right, Actually practice gratitude. Sing a song from your spirit. Lift your head to the heavens and actually look at in light of eternity, this is what really matters. It's change and shifts your perspective and it changes how you view life. So finally, in light of eternity, live your lives in such a way where you clothe yourselves as the chosen ones. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Put on love and perfect unity. Praise God for the peace in your hearts. Sing songs from the Spirit with gratitude. And verse 17 is a welcome to the worship team just to come back up as we finish. Verse 17. says, whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus means doing it in obedience to him. It means that in your words, your actions, your attitudes are in line with who he is and what he wants. Really, basically, this entire scripture, this entire sermon that I'm preaching can be brought down to this important point. Represent Jesus at all times. That's it. Represent Jesus at all times. Whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever you say. That's how the church spills out into our community. This is we operate in our homes, and our workplaces, we operate in our community and amongst this world, and we see all of the division and the disunity and the discrimination and the racism and all of these things that are going on and so much conflict. You know what? Who makes a change? The church does. The church does. Little by little, doing what? Representing Jesus. Represent Jesus. It just takes one. One person who can sway things, who can change things. And I believe that in Ireland today, Christ is raising up the church to be the one, to be the one to model it. That means that we represent Jesus to who? You know who is the most difficult to represent Jesus to? Those we love, our friends, our family, our children. They don't listen to what you say or tell them to do, but they watch you. They watch you. And you represent Jesus. Guess what? Everyone's watching you. So, what happens when you become a Christian. You become a celebrity. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's watching and wait your response. See what you say. See how you do it. But it's so important that we represent Jesus as you review your life in light of eternity what really matters as you look at your actions your thoughts your attitude your speech your values your priority I do not know I'm saying a big list and a lot of things but in light of eternity what really matters maybe that means that you gotta let go of some things you got to let go of some people. Maybe it, needs you, it means that you need to change where your, your energy is going into. Maybe it means that you need to change how you approach difficulties and conflicts and resolution. Maybe it means changing how you respond to certain things you may not necessarily agree with or you have a difference of opinion, but you go, I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to find a commonality. I'm going to find a common purpose because, in light of eternity, the relationship is more important than me being right. Maybe, in light of eternity, you just need to change your priorities. Maybe you need to take the focus off yourself and put it on others. As a finish, I want to finish just with a short story is, you know, Alan who has been on staff now for over years here as one of our executive directors in Open Arms, but both himself and his wife, Joanne, have been going through an extremely difficult time in their family. And um, Alan's father-in-law, Joanne's dad, Joey, has been in hospital for over three months and his health has been deteriorating and coming close to that place where he's coming to the end of his life. And Alan, in recent weeks, has been talking to me about Wanting to find an opportunity to lead him to the Lord. To give him an opportunity to place his faith in Jesus and receive forgiveness. And we've been talking about that and talking about how we would do it. You know, what way he would do it. And we were just working, talking through that. And and every time before he said, You know what, I'm gonna do it today, I'm I'm going up to the hospital, I'm gonna do it, something would happen. Like you know, whether it was had to be brought here or someone else came or just for whatever reason. And I just love that God's perfect timing is always perfect. To trust in His timing. means just being obedient and stepping out. But if He deters, just let Him happen. And after weeks gone by, and just this last Friday afternoon, Alan called me and he said, Sean, I just had the opportunity. I led Joey to the Lord. And he gave his life to the Lord which was amazing. And for the very first time, he received supernatural peace. And he was telling me, but he said it was just an incredible moment. Everything changed. And the atmosphere of the room, the family that were all surrounded there. I said, and this is everything. It's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Don't care who you are, What you have, who you're wearing, this is all that matters. It's everything. And for the very first time that evening, Joey went to sleep experiencing supernatural peace, forgiveness. And he woke up in heaven to be with his father as he passed away from earth. And why I say that, I want to encourage you. And I believe it's an incredible testimony. I was so proud of Alan for even doing that and stepping out on that and the family are proud we're we're proud I want to encourage you let your family know you love them let your friends know that you love them Let let them know that Jesus loves them, he forgives them and maybe you need to come to the place where you tell them I forgive you Why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment? Lord, right now, as the names are written on our heart, our hearts are heavy. Some of us have a burden of guilt because we didn't get to pray that prayer with some who have passed from this place. But God, only you know their heart. Some of us are burdened with unforgiveness heart that has been built up for decades and we've been struggling with to let go but I believe Lord that your Holy Spirit is prompting us bringing us to this place to finally release it doesn't mean letting them off the hook it means letting us off the hook Lord I pray that 2024 would be a year of salvation that we would share testimonies like Alan and Joanne. He said, My father, my mother, my friend, my brother, my sister, they came to know Jesus. Hey, they didn't know the Bible inside out. They couldn't they'd quote all the scriptures and didn't know all the doctrines. It wasn't living this way, that way, that doesn't matter. In light of eternity, all that matters, I believe in Jesus. he rose Christ from the grave and he lives in me. That's all that matters. Maybe you're here today and you need to come to a place where you receive forgiveness for you. I want to pray with you a prayer of salvation, a prayer of surrender. And if nothing else, you're not praying this for yourself and you want to pray this for someone else. Or you just want to come to a place where you actually go, I'm going to remember this because I'm going to repeat this with my loved one. Just say with me, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for the sin that I have in my heart. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. Save me. Heal me. I believe today that I am saved, that I am forgiven. And by your grace, I am set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God praise today just for that testimony.